0: What it is? Welcome to Album Nerds podcast. I am your host Andy, filling in for Scott, who's MAA this weekend. I do have my good buddy here, the dude. What's up, man?
1: Yo. What do I usually say? What it was? The flows messed up. I, uh, without Scott I here, it's...
0: we're just like a three-legged stool on two uh, two legs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> not too well. <laughs> But uh yeah today on the show we're going to be talking about two records that came right at the end of uh band's careers you got the Doors LA Woman one of my favorite Doors records and Nirvana's In Utero
1: It's uh In Utero I believe in utero.
0: <laughs> It's not a in euro, as I've been saying all week. No,
1: that's <laughs> fine, too. I mean, it costs a few euros or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or gyros. Maybe it's a, maybe it's after the euro sandwich. Yeah,
0: oh, yes. The Greek Nirvana record. I like it.
1: That sounds good. Mm. I can go for that right now.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to be diving into those two records in depth and talking about uh, how those bands went out. But uh, before we do that, let's chat about what we've been listening to the last couple of weeks. On a regular rotation, man. What's been on your turntable, buddy? All six Doors
1: albums. Whoa, from beginning to end, uh, on vinyl. It's Like actually on the turntable. I have the CDs also. I I had a, not that I don't like the Doors, but I had a period where I listened to them a lot. I watched the movie when it came out, and so uh, it was it was fun to go through all those. Also, um, obviously the whole Nirvana catalog. But as far as on the new side of things. Not a ton. Just was checking out an album by Jonathan Wilson called Rare Birds. I've only listened to part of it once so far. It seems pretty cool. Kind of a, it's got a sort of singer songwriter '70s vibe, but it sounds modern at the same time. We'll have to get back to that one. I know you haven't, uh, you haven't checked
0: that out yet, right, Andy? Uh, no, not yet. But uh, it sounds interesting from what you're saying. Definitely. Check it out! I, I love how you like just dig in and listen to like a whole catalog of a band. You will just be like, "I'm gonna listen to all Six Doors records today." That's pretty. Uh,
1: well, that's how that's yeah, ambitious, That's, man.
0: that's it's cool.
1: That's how I do it. <laughs> it's to get context,
0: you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. It makes sense. Makes sense.
1: But it also causes confusion. "Do Your Worst" is a single by the Rival Sons, just released. Yeah, really cool vibe to it. Hope it's indicative of what's coming on the album that should be out early 2019. So look for that um and then the new Paul McCartney record which is his first
0: number 1 in years. It's okay. Yeah, that's uh Egypt stations the name of it. Yeah, um yeah. yeah, I've heard good things about it. I, I've tried it a couple times now and I, I don't know. There's like two tracks on them I really enjoy and the rest of it seems to be I don't know.
1: I don't Yeah. Don't... I didn't like fuck you at all. <laughs> <Yeah. but> it's <laughs> just it, <laughs> what is... I mean, I talking about like flirting with babes and stuff. It's kind of like, man, I'd like to hear, instead of you writing pop songs, I'd like to hear about your life.
0: Yeah, the guy's had an awesome life, I imagine. I mean, tell us about it a little bit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so that was my only gripe there. It just seemed like a collection of Paul McCartney-style pop songs, which is fine, but I'd like to get to know this dude at this phase in his life and whatever. So,
0: that's it. He's had some interesting interviews over the last couple weeks um, when he's promoting the record here that... Might be worth checking out. He had some stuff to say about the Beatles and their sex life on tour or something I saw a <laughs> headline about. But uh have you heard the uh the new Paul Simon record that came out a couple weeks ago? It's called uh In Blue Light. Revisiting some old uh B sides, some new musicians and some new uh new music uh, accompaniments. It's a pretty a pretty interesting listen. Have you heard it yet?
1: Not yet. It was on my list and I did I did read that it was um like, I'm always interested if it's new stuff or old stuff, but I read about it, just haven't gotten around to it, but I I will now. It could have
0: easily gotten forgotten. That's why we do this show, man. Can, uh, can't let something go uh, undiscovered that's worth listening to. But anyway, so on the show, we try and pick two records that fit together somehow. Sometimes it's loose, sometimes it's tight. We got a pretty tight one today. I picked out the doors. Uh, <laughs> picked out the... Wow. <laughs> I picked out The Doors, uh, L- L.A. Woman, as my uh, as my selection of my favorite Doors record uh, from right at the end of their career in 1971. And uh, as an accompaniment to that, my buddy here picked out uh, Nirvana's In Utero. Why did you pick that record?
1: Because it's their last, not only is it their last, but their singer, Kurt Cobain, the main guy there, he shortly after the release passed away. And uh, I believe that's a similar story for Jim Morrison. So between those two things, it seemed like a pretty pretty big connection.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I noticed a couple other ones too that we'll touch on once we uh, start digging in here. But why don't we uh, talk a little about the LA Woman and we'll play a track from that. This is uh, about a quarter of the way through the record. This track is called Cars Hiss By My Window. The Cars
1: Hiss By My Window. The waves down on the beach I got this girl beside me But she's out of reach Headline to my window
0: Yeah, really nice, like, just mellow kind of jam feel to the band in this record man i love i love that about them when they can feel relaxed and like they're really just kind of playing around with each other and not so much trying to become uh, rock stars but uh well they already were rock stars at this point yeah i think
1: just a certain extent a little tired of the
0: whole thing Exa- exactly exactly i think a lot of what the record's about is that sentiment hmm Anyway, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the record itself. A little background here. It came out in April 1971. It is uh, more of a blues rock sound to it than they had put out previously in the last couple records. Um, It's on Elektra. It's their sixth and final studio album, recorded in Los Angeles. And a lot of the songs, as I was saying, kind of deal with that area of the country where they spent a lot of their time. And, uh, you kind of sense, uh, a change happening in the band here, to say, at the least. As we said, uh, Jim Morrison, the lead singer there, would, uh, move to Paris soon after recording this record and, uh, pass away three months after its release, uh, in the summer of 1971. Yeah, man. I, like I said, this is my favorite George record. I listened to it quite a bit in my twenties when I was really, uh, big into them and, uh, still really enjoy listening to it today. I think it's been, holds up pretty well. What do you think about it in general man?
1: It's among my favorites of theirs uh Strange Days I think is hmm. my second favorite and the uh, the Doors the first album is my most favorite. I just it was a short career six six albums in what three or four years?
0: Yep. 3 years. It's kind of a flash in the pan there.
1: And the first album and the last album to me are very very similar in- including just you know all the all the uh Organ work, mm-hmm. which by that point, by 1971, was starting to sound a little dated. The blues rock revolution was le- moving more in the guitar rock sort of vein, you know, your Led Zeppelins and and all that kind of stuff. Okay. And uh, so it seems a little almost dated, which is weird at that time period. I mean, that's just the way it kind of after when I listen to them uh, all in uh, succession like that. It was sort of the impression I got. I'm like, you know, this sounds very much like the first, which it's good. It's bluesy. It's cool. But uh, I think they got sort of tired of trying to grow. I think this was a swan song of what do we do best? Let's do it and uh, call it a day.
0: Yeah, I think you're exactly right, man. It's kind of like, uh, yep, this is kind of who we are. And this is what we can do together as a group. And I mean, it works. They're really good at it. Jim had been going through a lot of like legal problems, and he seemed to be kind of depressed. I know he was doing a lot of, a lot of drinking at the time. I had read he was kind of becoming less and less interested in being a rock star and living that lifestyle, and wanted to be more like a true artist and get into film and you know expand his like his poetry career. And uh, for
1: anyone to seen the movie or read up about him, I mean, he started as a film student, and that's how he met. Ray Manzarek, they were like in a film class together, at mm, yeah, some college, UCLA or yeah, something. California. Yeah, California. So you know, watch if you watch the Doors movie, you'll get. I mean, I don't know how much artistic
0: license, you know,
1: <laughs> license was taken there, but you know, uh, Val Kilmer does a fair job of portraying that that life, and it's kind of cool. So. Yeah, so I know more than I think I should, and I don't know how much of it is true. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's, that's the way things are. A lot, a lot of things nowadays, but <laughs> um, uh,
1: just to get, I got something for you. Just to give you a taste of, of Jim
0: Morrison's
1: personality, this is a little clip of him in an interview.
0: Uh, all right. I love your little uh, clip treats here. Let's see what he has to say.
1: I think uh, these days... Especially in, in the States, you have to be uh, a politician or an assassin or something to really be a superstar. <laughs> politician <laughs> or an assassin. <laughs> and, you know, that spoke a lot to the political... There were a lot of political figures and uh, civil rights figures being assassinated right. in the 60s. Right. Uh, I, you know, the guy definitely just had this kind of baritone voice about whatever in life you know so yeah he was a artist in the truest sense and uh uh yeah being on stage and being interviewed i don't think yeah fit. it
0: wasn't really for him you could you could tell he was getting a little tired every by this point in his career and i think they do a nice job on the record um Kind of comparing that to, to L.A., which is an area they spent a lot of time in. They record the record there. They lived in the area. Um, but they kind of bring out this kind of darker, ugly side of L.A., which it's the impression of how I picture Jim's head being kind of in that darker space at this point. So uh, interesting there. We're going to play one more track from, from the record called uh, La America, which is maybe like the darkest or one of the more dark songs I can think of. I thought oh, it was interesting how this song is like comes right after LA Woman and they capitalize the L and the A in La America. I don't know if there's any connection there or something, but uh, kind of an interesting little tidbit. Mm-hmm. I tell you, man, when I was, like, 18, hearing, like, a moody, dark, kind of spooky Doris track like that just, like, totally sold me on the band, man. I was so into the beat side of this record in particular. Um, what do you think of that track and, and just the I, end of this I like record? I that
1: track. It actually reminds me a lot of the movie Taxi Driver that <laughs> came out a couple of years later. I don't know if you've ever seen that with Robert De Niro. Oh, yeah, sure. Classic. The Dirty Streets of the City, uh, and, uh, you know, yeah. it just has that. That hazy, like the underbelly greasy. of society. Yeah. yeah, it's got
0: that feel to it, you know.
1: So I I appreciate that for sure.
0: A lot of yeah. a lot of good tracks it's, it's on a here. Cool a lot of good tracks on the two we played. Um, Riders on the Storm is the last track on here. I'm sure people are familiar with that one. Maybe one of their best songs as a group, and, and the last song they actually recorded all together um, before Jim passed. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. What's your uh, final word on this record, man?
1: final word is good really good i mean all their albums are interesting this one is certainly a great bookend i highly recommend it to anybody that hasn't gone back to the doors maybe used to or someone who's trying to discover something new it's pretty awesome and they're all fun they all have their own personalities soft parade is the weakest in my opinion of their albums and this is among the strong so definitely hit it up
0: weird up. Couldn't agree with you more, man. Definitely uh, a great way to go out for the career. And um, yeah, that's adores. Uh L.A. Woman. It's available to stream in all the usual places. Should be pretty easy to find a copy of as well. Sounds really good on vinyl. I highly recommend that. Why don't we jump in and talk about some Nirvana and their last record, In Utero. What's the uh, first track we're going to hear here, man?
1: We're going to listen to some Scentless Apprentice. Now, if you were a young person at this period of time, a teenager, early 20s, your parents were very concerned with you when they heard that coming (laughs) from your room or your car. Uh, It is loud, aggressive, very raw, so different than what people I think had expected coming from uh, the big splash of Nevermind. So. What were what's your what are your thoughts on that particular track, man?
0: Oh, I'm so glad you picked that one. Cause it's my favorite from the beginning of the record for sure. It's a little scary, man. It, it just sounds like they're just falling apart, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. It sounds like like mental illness, like <laughs> yes. just l- losing your mind. Yeah, total. Like insanity. you're having a
0: breakdown uh, and recorded it, but that was kind of what they did, and they did it really well. Uh, I know it's just. You know, much like Jim Morrison was kind of disillusioned with where he was in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. Um, Kurt, I know, was having lots of similar feelings, and he's very, very upfront about them on this record.
1: Oh, yeah, very straightforward for sure. Uh, I'll just give a little background. It was released September 21st, 1993. It's their third full-length studio album, as Kurt Cobain said during the Unplugged. People probably didn't know about the first one called Bleach Uh, and and there's some similarities between Bleach and this I I believe uh, in terms of the rawness and the never mind of course the the huge album that everyone knows was a little cleaner it was a little actually you know at the time it didn't seem happy but compared to this it's like a happier (laughs) album it's just about it's just about general misanthropy and being angry with the world and disenchanted but it's kind of a unified thing and this is more this feels more like Kurt Saying these things as Kurt.
0: Right. This feels much more personal. He's really calling out people directly in his life and, you know, expressing his disinterest in continuing to do these things. Um, Yeah, I think you made a really cool point there. And that's a kind of a connection that Organically came about as we were listening to these two records. You know, they really kind of came back to their roots in a strong way, both the Doors and Nirvana here. Um, the Doors beating up a blues rock record, which they hadn't really done since their first record, and, and Nirvana putting out this very really raw, emotional type record, which we hadn't heard from them in a few years too. So, kind of a cool uh, parallel there.
1: Uh, when this came out, like people uh, in the circles I ran in were a little, dis- a lot of them were disappointed because they yeah. wanted Teen Spirit too. Yeah, I mean, and they got it like, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, In the form of it, the track Rape Me, which sounds a little bit like the same chord progression as Smells Like Teen Spirit, but it was kind of like a, it felt like a fuck you sort of. <laughs> to, That's right, man. Uh, that song
0: still makes me uncomfortable today. I really have a yeah. hard time listening to that one. <laughs> I mean, the whole yeah. record's hard to listen to, but that one in particular really just kind of turns my insides to hear him scream that over and over again.
1: Yeah, we will not be playing that particular
0: <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, no uh I, I had similar um conversations with my friends in the in the nineties. They're like expectations were pretty much impossibly high for this record and at the time I remember being disappointed by it but going back listening to it now, again after, you know, ten years, say ten years or so since I've really listened to it seriously, I think it's really held up well. And I was yeah. Honestly very impressed by the songwriting and the band is just manic like oh, yeah. crazy like energy going on there that I think is pretty exciting. I I was really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, man, it's great. It's really it's a really solid album. It's just a little hard to listen to with the you know, depression and yeah, and all of that and you know where that led, you know, to him taking his own life. Right. So it it's very it's a i mean it rocks and you can like you start kind of being like yeah you're rocking along and then you hear a lyric and it kind of makes you feel uncomfortable a little bit because this is some of this is like the diary of yeah what was going on in that head and uh it makes you sad yeah when the the end result from you know just whatever it was a less than a year later after
0: the release so yeah it's hard to escape that kind of cloud of his suicide unfortunately um but i think that the songs in here really can stand on their own if you heard them outside of the record um harp shaped box still sounds great it was much <laughs> I, was, I was sick of that in the 90s i still enjoyed hearing it today and all, ap- oh, yeah. all apologies man what a great closer to that record man I was, that song always floors me when i hear it
1: well what's crazy about like all apologies and penny royalty which yeah is that song was written based on uh, some something he had heard about from his friends. There was some kind of drug you could take to abort children. Uh, so that's where that... I mean, there's some dark oh, wow. stuff here. I not know that. But those songs are well known. That and all apologies from The Unplugged. I don't think right. people really know those as in utero tracks. But let's try and lighten the mood a little bit. I'm going to play a little something from a happier Nirvana. <laughs>
0: what? Oh my god. Oh the internet. You just got
1: uh you just got musically rickrolled on the album nerds podcast. There's a mashup called Nirvana versus Rick Astley. Never gonna give your teen spirit up and it is delightful.
0: Wow man, that would have been so cool fifteen years ago.
1: <laughs> I it probably was put together fifteen years ago. Probably. But uh, yeah that we'd get a little uh, happiness So yeah, let's get back to the nasty And Heart Shade Box was actually my selection nice. Let's listen noose so I can climb right back like into your womb is pretty oh my gosh, so crazy. Right?
0: <laughs> the lyrics are just uh, so was that song about Courtney Love? Is that what you were telling me?
1: Everyone after he killed himself wanted to bl- you know, it was like you know, she was the Yoko Ono character, she you know, made him do drugs and made him be depressed and wouldn't leave him alone. And mm-hmm. and who the hell knows, man? But he claimed at the time to have written Heart Shaped Box after watching documentaries about children with cancer, which he said makes me sadder than anything I can think of. The song's original title was Heart Shaped Coffin. And then uh-huh. Courtney Love claimed last year that the song is about her vagina, but we, we don't need to. <laughs> Oh, and Scentless Apprentice, I meant to mention this. Scentless Apprentice was inspired by Patrick Susskind's 1985 novel, Perfume, about a boy born without body odor who stalks and murders virgins in search of the perfect scent. Cobain said that he'd read it about 10 times in his life and couldn't stop reading it. It's like something that's just stationary in his pocket all the time. Oh my gosh! So the, Interesting. he, yeah, he dabbled in dark stuff too. Like he read and and art
0: that was On the dark side.
1: So yeah, yeah, yeah. So who knows if he had made it through all that? What what kind of fella he'd be now? But um, I'm glad he left us with, even though it's hard to hard to think about. But he left us with some real pieces of himself, and maybe that's the real, the true tortured artists or the people that lay it out on the line you know
0: so. yeah well he was definitely being his true self man like uh you can't really say that they weren't you know a genuine band which i think is something we all appreciated about them um yeah and dave
1: grohl genius of rock and roll music yeah we forget about Bay. it
0: <laughs> 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 forget about the other two guys in the band who uh have gone on to do a lot of important things in rock music as well um yeah final word for me uh i think this and bleach are probably my two favorite nirvana records um and when it's just kind of a stupid thing that i do but whenever i'm outside like doing any sort of manual labor like uh digging a hole or planting things like there's no better music in my opinion to just get dirty and sweaty too (laughs) than like a really nasty nirvana record like this one so Highly recommended for me. Uh, what do you What do you think, man?
1: Yeah. Final word is it. I think it's their best album, but Nevermind is more, especially if you really take the context of everything. Nevermind is more fun to listen to, and you can have a little bit more '90s nostalgia without as much depression coming <laughs> with it. But it, it, I think it's their best, yeah. their best album, taking the elements of of both sides of Nirvana and really really scratching you in the face with it so
0: right right they do get right up in your face uh yeah it was fun going back listening to um streaming all the usual places their catalog is widely available it's been re-released a bunch of times as well now that the 20th anniversary has come and gone um also buy it on cd uh, from your usual record store please do support your local record shops we like to do that when we can that's the show for today Coming up on the show That yeah, was <laughs> Yeah. Coming up on the show in two weeks, we're gonna be talking about albums by Alice in Chains, another nineties rock band, and Andrew Bird, a violinist. Interesting combination there. Uh, so be sure to tune in again in a couple of weeks and we'll be back. Uh, in the meantime, we'd love to know what you're listening to. Shoot us an email at podcast at albumnerds.com tell us what you're listening to and what we should talk about next or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at albumnerds. Uh, we we'll post a lot of stuff that we're listening to on there and we'd love to uh, know what you've been up to. So uh, hit us up on social medias.
1: Yeah, yo. Also, you know, try to get your friends and get yourself over to wherever you listen to podcasts. Go ahead and subscribe to the Album Nerds podcast. You'll find us in all the usual podcast places, but most importantly, for those of you that use Apple Podcasts on your iPhones and iPads, shoot us a review. Uh, leave us a five-star review if you like, and tell us what you like about the show, and maybe we'll read your review on the show, and you'll become a famous. Whoa. Thank you so much <laughs> for listening to the album Podcast. Uh, we'll check in a few weeks. See you guys. Bye.